0: Welcome to the HDFS Careers Podcast, the podcast featuring informal conversations with family science majors about their professional journeys. My name is Erica Jordan. Today, I will be sharing my interview with April Shaver. I met April with the help of one of my former teaching assistants who found her on LinkedIn a few years ago. April is a graduate of the HDFS program where I teach at the University of Houston. She graduated before I began working there, so I never taught her in one of my courses. However, she has kindly served as a guest speaker in my careers in HDFS class, and my students love hearing her story, especially the part about her teaching in Thailand. She currently works as an advocacy specialist NEST team lead at Child Advocates of Fort Bend in Rosenberg, Texas. I will also note that we had some trials and tribulations when recording this episode. My internet dropped out of the blue, my toddler was screaming in the background at some point, and I also had contractors at my house. But we have a lot of great information packed into this episode despite all of that, so I hope it's not too distracting. Without further ado, here's her interview. Well, welcome to the podcast, April. Thank you. Thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me, and we can go ahead And um, jump right into the interview. Can you tell me a little bit about how you first discovered the field of HDFS as an undergraduate?
1: Sure. So um, I first started out going into teaching. Okay. I I wanted to be an elementary school teacher. And I was taking an elementary for an elementary art class. Oh. An art class for the elementary teacher. And I met a a friend in that class who was working at the Children's Learning Center, uh, the daycare on campus, the Children's Learning Center at the University of Houston. And she said, you should come work over here. And so I applied because I wanted to get hands-on experience in the classroom while I was studying teaching. And while working at the Children's Learning Center, I realized how much I liked working one-on-one with
0: kids. You like that a whole lot more than like the group setting.
1: Yes. Love, love, love one-on-one with kids. And while I was working at the Children's Learning Center, I met another friend who was a nanny. She was doing her internship for HDFS and was interning at the Children's Learning Center. Mm -hmm. And she was a nanny and she was going to graduate and needed to find a replacement. And she was going to be a teacher, so she was going to be, um, she's gonna graduate HDFS and then she's gonna get her alternative certification. And that's really kind of why I, I transitioned into HDFS. I guess at this time when I met her, I, I was still gonna teach,
0: uh-huh.
1: but I was working, you know, a couple jobs and I was trying to get a shortcut out of school.
0: Gotcha, gotcha, <laughs> yeah. HGFS yeah. And HDFS was going to be a quicker path.
1: Less time.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, and so, so you decided, okay, I'm going to switch. I'm going to make this switch. Yes. And so like, what were the classes like for you over in the HDFS program?
1: Oh gosh, I loved the classes. Um, took like a child development class. We took research methods. I took um, community family resources and I, I loved them. I really loved learning about development. So I took infant development and my minor was psychology. So I love psychology too. I took like abnormal psych um, and some other courses. So I loved, love, love learning about development because children all over the world develop at the same pace. so I can you know in Asia versus Africa and America at one year old you know they have that they're starting to like stand and walk and then they have that like little toddler belly and they're growing
0: like (laughs) the toddler belly is pretty awesome
1: (laughs) yes yes I love toddlers so I just I love development in general so that's why I really loved human development and family studies
0: okay um and then so you mentioned that you were working while you were in college. So, I mean, I know that a lot of students have that experience to where, you know, they're working. So what types of things like, were you doing work wise and then what other things were you involved in like while you were in college?
1: Sure. So I waited tables for a little bit Mm -hmm. on the weekends. I worked at the children's learning center for two years in their toddler program. I was also, I, my first volunteer opportunity was at Ronald McDonald House uh-huh. at Texas Children's in the NICU. So they have um, a, a Ronald McDonald home inside Texas Children's on the fourth floor. So the families who have infants in the NICU can come and take a nap, uh, get a snack, use the internet, wash their clothes. So I I did that for a year.
0: I had no idea that they had... That Ronald McDonald House in Texas Children's. Yeah. Yes. yes no clue. It's mm-hmm. And so like when you were, you said you worked there or were you volunteering there?
1: I volunteered there twice a month on a Sunday. And my role was just to um, check the families in, give them a tour and just kind of facilitate those amenities for them.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. And of course the NICU is the neonatal intensive care unit. A lot of people are probably familiar with it, but just in case, you know, so it's where the babies are really sick. They, they go there. Yes. Um, So you were working, you waited tables for a while. You worked at the children's learning centers for a while. You were volunteering at this awesome Ronald McDonald house. What else were you up to?
1: Yes. So after the children's learning center, um, I was a nanny for a 10 year old boy. Okay family just had one little boy um picked him up from school took him home made him dinner made sure he did his homework um then when I was so like I said earlier I was working at the children's learning center and decided I I did like the one-on-one and so in HDFS I had I was in a research methods class where I saw a presentation on child life and it it just captured my passion for explaining to children what was going to happen before it happened. Oh, I just, I was in awe that someone was going to consider how a child felt instead of saying, instead of giving a child a shot and say, just hold still, it's not going to hurt. It's not going to hurt. They, they introduced role play. Um, giving a child like a teddy bear and letting them be the doctor and telling them that this is going to feel like a pinch or this is going to feel like a bear hug. And you know, while this happens, we can, we can count to 10 or we can blow bubbles. So alternative focus, but educating them um, and acknowledging um, that it was going to be hard and it was going to be scary, but they had the resources to help them through it.
0: That is really powerful. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, yeah. Like growing up, my entire childhood, I, mean, I really didn't master this until adulthood. <laughs> but my entire childhood, like you said about the shot, I mean, I was just paranoid, just terrified. I mean, and you knew they were coming in to give you this shot. They would like hold you down as a kid. You know, multiple, multiple healthcare professional professionals at least back then, and. Um, so, yeah, I love this approach of just kind of empowering the child, like explaining, providing them with information and giving them coping strategies. Um, such a, a much better approach than <laughs> immediately jumping into forcibly holding them down. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's really cool. Um, so you fall in love with this idea of child life and your fall it.
1: in fall in love. I still have the, um, so when, when my peers did their presentation, they handed out like a little, a trifold. I still have it.
0: <laughs> wow. That's uh, after all these years. That's awesome.
1: Yes. I, I started gathering all the information about child life and it's in a binder. And so I kept it all. So after I learned about child life, since I was, I was already volunteering at, Uh, Ronald McDonald House in Texas Children's, I again wanted to get some hands-on experience in the child life field. So I applied to volunteer at Texas Children's in their child life department. Okay. So I did that once a week. Um, They have uh, inpatient surgery. So when the kids get surgery and then they need to stay in the hospital for a couple of days to be monitored and, and while healing, Uh, I volunteered once a week and was in charge of opening the playroom. So I'd go around, my shift would start, like maybe a two-hour shift, and I'd go around to each room. There's 36 beds on the unit, and I would knock on their door and tell them, hey, the playroom's open, and they would come in to the playroom, and I'd give them toys um, to play with if they had family members or siblings with them, or I would play with them.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah, you were you were already engaged in volunteering, and so no doubt that probably helped open the door to this other volunteer experience, also at Texas Children's Hospital. Um, you know, you move from Ronald McDonald House into actually this volunteering in the child life field, which is something that you heard about and just thought was so awesome. That's pretty cool, and so then as you're progressing towards graduation, you mentioned that one of your friends was in the HDFS program and she was doing her internship. Where did you end up doing your internship for your HDFS major?
1: I did. And in- at that time, they, uh, University of Houston had a partnership with a hospital, a rehab hospital called a uh, health bridge.
0: Okay. And for the rehab hospital, like what type of rehabilitation was it? Like, what were they, what were they recovering from?
1: Yeah, they had several um several programs. They had a a wound care program. They had a pulmonary and respiratory program. They had um, the pediatric brain injury neuro continuum. So was that? Traumatic, <laughs> traumatic brain injuries? Gotcha, okay. Um, and then they also had um, a population they served, which I fell in love with. As well, um, Prader-Willi. Okay. Children who are diagnosed with Prader-Willi, it's a genetic disorder. So uh, they have uh, a loss of function of their specific gene, like the 15th chromosome. And oh. They have uh, weak or low muscle tone, poor feeding, um, and slow development. And then as they get older into uh, school age, they start to develop this constant hunger. Mm. So they had a program there for them.
0: That's so interesting. And so, so the whole rehabilitation center was all kids. It was all pediatrics.
1: It was uh, zero to 18.
0: Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so what types of things did you do during the internship to like kind of support all these different programs?
1: Yeah, similar to volunteering at uh, Texas Children's, we were in charge of interacting and engaging with the children in the playroom. We did uh, open-ended therapeutic activities um, to give the kids some control. You know, they can't control that they're sick, they can't control their medication, but they can control and express themselves through play and art. Okay. So we did that. Also another misconception, I think infants, when infants have to get shots because infants are so vulnerable because they they can't talk, they can't tell Uh people to feel. Um, We really try to advocate for music at bedside and calling Child Live to comfort the baby and the infant while they're getting um, any procedures. Okay. That was pretty...
0: I'm thinking in my head, my child's got her two-year appointment coming up. I'm like, oh, what do I need to do <laughs> when, she get, when she has to get shots again? I can't remember if they get shots at that appointment, but <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, well, what do I need to do? Oh,
1: mm-hmm. And I might bring some music in. <laughs> yes, yeah, bring some music. Bubbles, blow some bubbles.
0: Yeah, she loves bubbles.
1: Um, and then our, my supervisor for that internship was the Child Life Specialist at the time. Uh, Zoe McCoy would give us like weekly articles or lessons on child life. Okay. And then our final project in the internship was to organize a three-day camp. So we had a theme of like a Honolulu. Day one was like Honolulu. Day two was under the sea. And so we just got to do a ton of activities for the kids in three days.
0: And three days just jam packed in. Three yeah. days full of fun. Yes. Um, okay. So it sounds like that was a really. I mean that that internship had a lot of depth. I mean you got to become familiar with so many different con, like medical conditions, and you know really got to interact with kids a lot one on one, like you like. And then um, of course it's so related to child life. So that that's a great internship. So like, what were you thinking as you're progressing towards graduation and what were you planning to do? And then I guess, what did you end up doing after graduation?
1: Sure. So af- I, I was really set on wanting to do, um, wanting to become a child specialist
0: mm-hmm.
1: and in order to become a child specialist, you have to have a number of things, just like any other career that, you know, any other profession that you're in. So, uh, you're doing, you know, a practicum and the internship that I did at the university kind of as a practicum. Okay. Oh, I was really planning on uh, applying for an internship in a hospital like Texas Children's or Memorial or um, after graduation. And those, they have, I think, two deadlines a year. One's in January, I think one's in August. But really, in the summertime, I was just trying to survive.
0: (laughs) Yeah, just working to try and like just pay bills.
1: Yeah, so I graduated and I transitioned out of the nanny position. Um, And I started looking for work. I started, I applied for Sylvan Learning Center. Okay. And at that time, uh, the children's, uh, Sylvan's Sylvan's Learning Center had a contract with HISD.
0: That's Houston's independent school district for those who are outside of Houston.
1: Yes, with HISD, um, for their tutors to go into uh, low, low economic status schools to help their students prepare for the STAR test.
0: Okay, and the STAR test is like our just state standardized test here. Yes, and yeah. so you did that for. Like which ages were you working with when you were going to the schools, or was it all different agents because you all had a contract with multiple schools?
1: Yeah, I worked at I worked at one school, Jones High School, and I floated between two classrooms. I think it was ninth grade high school students. I did that for about six months. In while I was doing that, my supervisor from my internship at Healthbridge called me and said that there was a part-time job open for child life, a child life assistant at health bridge. So I said, yes, 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 yes.
0: That's exactly what you wanted to be doing. And it speaks to the fact that you left a good impression at health bridge, um, when you were doing your internship. And then this turns into this pop- part-time work opportunity. So you leave, you go to work for health bridge part-time. Are you, are you only doing that at this point? Or are you also do you also have another part-time or full-time job somewhere else?
1: Uh, at the time that I was doing the part-time job at Healthbridge, I was also so Civil Learning Center ended um Healthbridge. I was working there part- time. I was waiting tables. and then I also did um, Dr. Burridge, who's a professor or previously was a professor at U of h. uh-huh. Connected me with Collaborative for Children for their College Bound from Birth program. Yeah. So I was trained to administer the standard assessment, the Woodcock-Johnson standard assessment. So I did that, uh, I think, one time. And at that time, I got paid for it, and I was, like, shocked. (laughs) (laughs) Shocked. Okay,
0: so you... You wait. You only did that once, though.
1: I only did it once for one of their schools um, that they had.
0: Okay. So, as it's, it's this kind of cognitive ability test, um, and did you wait? Did you have to administer it to multiple kids or just one kid?
1: Oh, um, an entire. It was like the. It was Candy, Candy stripe Academy, HISD Charter School. It was okay. Okay. Their entire like seventy kids. It was like oh. the. The assessments were split up between three of us. And so we kind of tackled the whole pre-K class.
0: Okay. And so you kind of, so you got multiple things going. You're able to like work in your passion area of child life. You're also waiting tables to help pay the bills. And then you get this cool kind of, you know, research experience or assessment experience with young kids. And so how long did you stay at Health Bridge?
1: Right. I started it in, in February of what, 2013? Mm-hmm. And so my role was a part-time position, and then there was a full-time position. Another girl that was working as a child life assistant, she uh, moved, and so I applied for the full-time position. I stayed at HealthBridge for maybe a little bit over a year. Okay. And but- so you you
0: did eventually get that full-time position and transition into that?
1: Yes. I okay. Okay.
0: And then so was your role pretty similar to what you were doing in the internship or did you have um, different types of, of job duties that you had?
1: Very similar. Um, okay. But I did implement like I, I came up with a calendar so that kids could look forward to activities and then they could know when the playroom was open. So I, I probably plan at least three therapeutic activities a week. Uh, we had movie night on Thursday nights, and mm-hmm. I developed, I made, like, this little word search. So in the daytime when they came, they could have a word search with clues that had, like, a clue what the movie was going to be, and then when they finished it, I made them these little movie tickets. So, <laughs> so when they came to movie night, they'd bring their little movie ticket, and I would, like, hole punch it.
0: Oh, so they felt like they were really going out, kind of out on the town.
1: Yeah, that was one of my favorite things.
0: Yeah. And man, at three therapeutic activities a week. Yeah, that's a lot to plan. I mean, yeah, you were, sounds like you were busy, but um, I can tell by like your smile and it sounds like you really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So you stay at HealthBridge for about a year. Then what leads you to leave?
1: You know, There was a position open at Texas Children's Uh for uh, the same position it's just a different activity coordinator. Um, I think because Texas Children is just a bigger bigger nonprofit. Mm -hmm. the position was for children in the oncology it was an activity coordinator for the oncology unit. Okay. And I was just really interested in that role. I I already had experience, so with the kids at the rehab hospital, um, I had experience working with children long-term, Then I saw the same kids every day, and so this was a fitting role for me, because I could transfer my skills, children in the oncology unit are also there for very long periods of time.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you apply for this child life position in the oncology unit, working with children who are battling cancer at Texas Children's. And you Mm -hmm. get that, you get that full-time position, right? Yes. And so what is your kind of role like there? Tell me about, tell me whatever you want to share about that position and kind of how long you stayed.
1: I stayed for a year in the oncology unit or maybe about, maybe about nine months. And then another role opened up at Texas Children's in the emergency department. And I, I applied for that position.
0: And so, were they similar? Like, um, yeah. So, you, what were your like daily duties like, and both in the oncology position and then also in the ER position?
1: The oncology unit was similar to uh, HealthBridge, so just seeing same kids every day, doing therapeutic, open-ended activities with them and their families. And then the emergency department was very different. Um, my my shift change, I I started working from two to 10. So previously in oncology, it was like eight to five. Uh And then the emergency department, their need for a child life activity coordinator was in the afternoon and evenings, because that's when they got like full, like many, many admissions. And I fell even more in love with the emergency department. I love the hustle and the bustle. I loved building rapport quickly with children. Um, I found myself that I was quite calm in stressful situations. Uh, I saw a lot of stressful situations in the emergency department and just like identifying what the immediate need is and just getting it to them as fast as possible so that they can, so that they can feel calm. Oh, I love the emergency department.
0: Yeah, it sounds, well, you know, I want to hear more about that But too. I want to back up because I know you mentioned in the lot in the previous two positions, you did a lot of open-ended therapeutic activities. Can you give like an example of like one of these kind of open-ended positions that you might plan for the family or the child?
1: Sure. So I think we did uh, an activity that was like our strength shields.
0: Hmm.
1: We had a little cutout cardboard strength shield And we brought magazines and the kids were able to pick out anything that made them feel stronger, anything that they liked. Oh. So, yeah, very open-ended, you know, uh, an activity where they get to choose the color, the shape, the print, anything that that just gives them control and some normalization in the hospital.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, you could definitely see, I love the name of the strength shield too, like anything that makes them feel strong or makes them feel like kind of positive. Um, And then I and then with it being open ended, not only are they getting the sense of control, they're able to choose everything, but then it gives you a lot of room for discussion, like talking with them about why they picked what they did.
1: Yeah. And so while I while we did these activities, I would make a sample,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, an example for them to have and then you know, the open-ended part comes in, like they get to choose what the end result looks like. I don't, I don't control that. I just kind of say like, you know, tell me what this looks like or what, what is this to you? And so it gives them that voice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then with the ER, I'm so curious about this ER position because like, yes, you're not seeing the same kids long term. It's very fast paced you have to, as you say, build rapport very quickly. What types of activities are you doing with the kids normally in the ER setting?
1: Yeah, it's very unplanned. Um, I can give you an example. One time I walked by a patient's room and there was a child that was laying, um, had looked, it looked like a a neck injury. And this is kind of like against child life. (laughs) Child life is, (laughs) I would, I think I obviously, I, I never became, I did not become a specialist, but um, you're supposed to make an assessment and then gather the tools that you need. But I walked by this one room and I saw a child that had a neck injury that was laying on their bed and just looking at the ceiling. And so before I even went in there and they looked to be about 10, um, before I even look, went in there I went back to the office, I grabbed a brown paper bag. I grabbed like a bouncy ball and a pencil and eraser, anything that I could find like little toys. And I grabbed a teddy bear or a stuffed animal and I went back to the room and I introduced myself like, my name's April. I'm on Child Life. And I just came to see if you wanted to do a quick activity. And I had the child uh, reach into the bag and guess what it was by touch. Yeah. Because, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't bring the child a coloring book or I couldn't um, like an intent. We had a Nintendo Wii on wheels. Um, I was just looking for the most engaging activity. For a child with without you know when they don't when they can't move,
0: <laughs> yeah, they have no mobility, they literally, yeah, they're like literally looking up at the ceiling, and you know, you're helping to make the day more interesting and more engaging. So, you stay, how long do you stay in the ER unit working with the child life department?
1: Fortunately, I only stayed for about two months, okay, um, because. During this whole, while I was at Texas, while, while I was at Healthbridge Rehab Hospital and Texas Children's, I did apply to the Child Life Specialist Internship mm-hmm. and each hospital will typically take 50 applicants, but only choose two interns. Okay. So, so each time I applied, I probably applied to about 10 different hospitals. And I did get some interviews, but I never got the internship.
0: Never got it. And you need the internship in order to become a child life specialist. Yes. So you just keep applying, applying. It's super competitive. Uh, 50 applicants, maybe taking two people. So, okay. So you apply and you start that process when you're at Health Bridge, but you continue the process while you're at Texas Children. So you don't get an internship. And so you have to kind of reroute your course. Yes. Okay. So what did, what did that look like? When, you know, what did you decide to do at that point?
1: And so when I was at health bridge, I, I met uh, a, another friend who is, a, who at that time was a psychology intern. And he saw me playing in the playroom with one, with a child who didn't speak English. And he he told me you'd be a really good teacher abroad. And I said, I've always wanted to go abroad. I just, I didn't have the opportunity in college to do that. And he was like, yeah, I I taught at the school in Thailand. uh, And he gave me the information to the school. And I looked it up while I was at HealthBridge, but I was still um, focused on the child life internship. Yes. So I believe while I was in the emergency department, applications for child life internship were due in January. And when I got the you know emails back, like "thank you for applying," but we went with someone else, I I was depleted. Yeah, <laughs> and I so I I looked back into teaching in Thailand, and it happened pretty quickly. So I applied in February or maybe. February or March, let them know, like, hey, you know, this friend or my reference um, is so and so, and I see you have a position open, I like to apply, I gave them my resume, I had an interview, and they were like, okay, um, school starts in May. Wow. <laughs> so I had like two months to prepare.
0: It's a move
1: mm-hmm. across the world.
0: <laughs> uh. And so, yeah. So what does that look like? What did you do as like, what are you thinking? And then like, what did you do as you were leading up to preparing? How did you even attempt to try to prepare?
1: Oh my gosh. I was so excited. <laughs> so excited. I told my family, I told my friends. Um, I I was I was renting at that time, so I, I just sold everything, packed everything up, uh, dispersed it between my family's house, my cousin's houses. <laughs> like, can you take <laughs> boxes? Can you take like the things I could not part with? Like, can you please take these two things? <laughs> yes. I'll be back in a year, and I sold my car, and I um, I'm originally from Michigan, and so I went home and said bye to like my my brothers and my parents, and then and then I left that's awesome
0: (laughs) get on the plane and what what part of thailand like just tell me about just how you got there how you got settled what the work was like tell me all about that
1: this is so exciting so (laughs) i applied to a private christian school in south thailand the school's name is called nakansi tamaran it's a very small town um thailand has never been colonized So the percentage of people that speak English is very low, like the Southeast Asia Asian countries. I think Malaysia was colonized, Vietnam. So you might have to reference me. No,
0: I will not be a good reference for that, (laughs) but uh, we won't won't, won't hold you to a quote.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thailand never, never colonized. So that's why there is such a demand for English teachers. You only have to have a degree, uh, any degree, marketing degree, uh, history degree, to to become a teacher in Thailand. Oh, okay. Some schools, some schools. This school in particular, you need a degree. And um, so, yeah, I land in this little tiny town in South Thailand. I landed first in Bangkok, which was, which was overwhelming, and then I made it... <laughs> little plane to Nakhon, and I had booked a hostel to stay in. So I landed and got a taxi and the taxi driver didn't speak English and I didn't speak Thai. And so he got me where I needed to be through like a picture, maybe on my phone. <laughs> um, and stayed there for about a week. There is a small or large, depending on your perspective of expat, or there's a small community of teachers that work at this private school that I work at. There's about three or four, maybe a little, a couple more um, other schools in that town Mm -hmm. that um, have English teachers. So we had, I could communicate with them over Facebook. And so that's when I connected with two girls who were, who were looking for a roommate. And so I lived with a girl who was from Florida and a girl who was from California.
0: Okay. All three of you all are there teaching English and hanging out in Thailand.
1: Having a ball. The position I applied for was a nursery. What they call is their nursery program. Okay. So the nursery students are two and three years old and I chose this position because I had experience working with toddlers at the Children's Learning Center. Oh yeah. And that was, I was most comfortable at that time working, you know, in a classroom with those kids. Cause I've been in a classroom before with toddlers. Mm -hmm. And so every day I I shared a classroom with a Thai teacher, the Thai teacher shared a classroom with me. She had her desk on one side of the room. I had my desk on the other side of the room and we took turns teaching lessons. She would teach her lesson in Thai and then I would teach my lesson in English. They were not the same lesson. So she kind of taught, you know the alphabet and then I was teaching art okay you know they, they didn't uh they didn't coincide with each other
0: right you weren't just repeating the same thing that she were you had <laughs> you all every day had different yeah. lessons in in each of the different languages
1: right I wasn't like a translator right right, right. lessons in, in our own languages gotcha mm-hmm
0: and so you did this, uh, you worked for the year with these two and three-year-olds.
1: Yes. And there's there's four classrooms in the nursery program. So there's okay. other teachers that I worked with. And so we would plan weekly what our lessons look like. And we had the resources of the teachers from the previous year to, um, to reference.
0: So you worked within that classroom for that year. Did you you ended up staying in Thailand for two years, if I'm not mistaken, right?
1: I stayed a second year unexpectedly. Okay. okay. Unexpectedly. So when I when I left, I was telling everyone, my friends and my family, like, I'll be back in a year, don't worry, don't worry, I'll be back in a year, and <laughs> I did not <laughs> come back.
0: So you stay another year. Um, are you in the same role or is it a little bit different?
1: I applied. No, I, I I gained some confidence in the classroom as a teacher, and I uh, applied to be in what they call is kindergarten two, which is four and five year olds. Okay. So,
0: moving up the, uh, the a, little a little bit little more older language. kids. Okay, a little bit more language. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, do you still like that age just as much as you did the kind of
1: toddler age? yes I love them
0: such fun ages oh my gosh they're learning so much at
1: that age absolutely and they want to be a part of everything you know they gave my kids in k2 slash one in the k2 um program I gave them like classroom jobs yeah the door holder and who's going to turn the light off and who's going to pass out pencils and that's I couldn't do that with two and three year olds That's true. That's true. Yeah, That was fun. You got to see their personalities. One time, one of my students came up and said, Teacher April, what's my job? (laughs) Like, he wants a job. Give it to him. What job do you want? Tell me. (laughs) Yes.
0: So you stay there for another year. And then, so what led you to come back to the States?
1: I still loved the idea of being a child life specialist. So actually, right before I left Thailand, I applied again to the internships. Okay. So I did a couple interviews and then I got back to the States and did not, did not get an internship. <laughs>
0: oh, man, at least you tried again. At least you tried again.
1: Yes, so I came back and was looking for a job still um, in the child life field. And then my friend, Crystal Van, who is a who I met in college in HDFS, yep. called me and said, hey, we have a position over here at Child Advocates of Fort Bend for a CASA Supervisor, which stands for a court-appointed special advocate. And in college, when I met Crystal, she, while I was volunteering at uh, Texas Children's for the Child Life Department, she was volunteering as a CASA volunteer.
0: Okay. At Child Advocates of Fort Bend? Yes. Okay. So. So you meet her, and um, for our listeners, um, Crystal Van is featured a couple of episodes earlier. Um uh, if you're hearing April's interview, Crystal was probably featured, I don't know, maybe two episodes earlier. So you can check out her story as well. But so you guys meet, um, you reconnect with her when you're coming back from Thailand.
1: Yes. And uh, And she told me there was a position open and I said no. <laughs> I'm not, I don't, I don't want to work with children who are abused and neglected. I want to play with kids to, you know, encourage normalization and reduce trauma in the hospital. And I, I applied.
0: (laughs) (laughs) In the end though, (laughs) she's like, no, you're still going to be, you'd be great at it. So you apply, you get the job.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I, I come home from Thailand in May. After being out of the country for two years, had some reverse culture shock, applied for jobs, applied for the CASA position, and then I started at Child Advocates in August.
0: Okay. And so what was your role at that point at Child Advocates?
1: So two roles. One role is programming, um, and the other role is the court appointed special advocate, guiding our volunteers to advocate for children in the court system. Okay. So earlier, or maybe it says on the on the link that I am a Nest Team Lead, which stands for um, Nurturing Education Social Triumphs. It's a program focused on providing opportunities for our children um, ages six to thirteen, so school age kids. Um, programs that focus on health and hygiene, social development, and education.
0: Okay, so y'all plan all these programs for kids that are currently in the foster care system. Here in Fort Bend County in Texas. Yes. Okay, um, and so yes, can you tell us a little bit more about those kind of nest programs?
1: Sure, we have um, an incentive program. So our volunteers monitor our children's uh, educational progress throughout the semester. Um, as an as a CASA advocate, we have acts, We have a, a court order to any and all information about the child, so their medical records, their educational records, um, they go to the hospital, the dentist, we're allowed to call, show them our court order, and gather their information about how, you know, how they're doing. Yeah. So our incentive program, our advocates contact the kids' teachers, um, review their report cards and ask them how they're doing. And then our kids who um, make progress during school, during the semester, we have a party at the end of the year for them, a pizza party. We do an award ceremony. So um, we give little speeches and an award certificate that their families and their siblings are able to come to. We present it to them in front of their families um, and let them play. Mm -hmm. This year, because of the pandemic, we could not celebrate face-to-face. So we did, we organized car parades. Awesome. So much fun.
0: Yeah, so how many car parades did you have to organize as part of the NEST program?
1: We did eight car
0: parades. Eight different for for kids who had done really well on their grades.
1: Yeah, so decorated cars. Oh my gosh, Crystal put this inflatable flamingo on top of her car. (laughs) Like signs with their names on them, saying like "Way to go, super student!" We're honking. Um, we dropped off like a pizza. We dropped off their award certificate, their speeches. Then we give them little goodie bags. So this year our theme was robots. Oh, and little arts and crafts of robots and their families were outside, and it was it was awesome.
0: That does sound awesome. Okay, so that's the program g- component, and then you're also over. The, the CASAs for school-age kids. And so CASAs are court-appointed special advocates and every child, every child or every family is assigned one.
1: Every child has a CASA.
0: Okay, every child has a CASA when they go into the foster care system here um, or in your county, Fort Bend County, Texas. And so you kind of oversee the people who advocate for the child in the courtroom.
1: Correct. So earlier I said that our advocates have a court order. So first they go through a 30 hour training mm-hmm. um, about the whole CASA of role and responsibilities. And mm-hmm. they are required every month to meet with a child face to face, talk to their caregivers. Um, we ask them that they talk to their teachers or do some educational advocacy every three months. Okay. They talk to their attorneys. They uh, are in communication with their parents because when children come into um, state custody, it's you know due to some sort of like neglect. Um, some parents are battling addiction, um, poverty, and so they have to do some court order services, like parenting classes, individual therapy, and so our casas communicate with them to make sure you know. Uh, to see where how they're doing with their services. Mm-hmm. And then we take all of that information that we gather and we type it up in a court report. Okay. We make recommendations. And our primary recommendations uh, focus on custody and um, if their placement is an appropriate placement for them. And then if there's anything that needs to be get, like if there's anything that they found gathering information like Maybe the child needs to be um, tested at school for, you know, uh, dyslexia. Or so maybe they, they're not getting all their needs met at school and they notice that they need some accommodations. They recommend that. Okay. Maybe if the child isn't seeing their siblings, um, we recommend like sibling visitations. And then, of course, the 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 primary goal is to always get the family back together. And so near the end of a case, it looks like, you know, CASA recommends that the child should be placed with their mother and father, um, and the the case should be dismissed. Okay. But, But we are not a legal party. So that's why I'm saying we just make recommendations. And at, right. at the end of the day, the judge is the one who's going to decide. The judge, you know, listens to the attorney inviting for the children. The judge listens to the attorney for the parents. The judge listens to CASA. And with all that information, they decide how to proceed with the case. Okay.
0: Sounds good. So you've been doing that now for how many years? Two and a half years. Two and a half years and how's it going for you
1: it's going well it's the longest (laughs) the longest i've been (laughs) that i've stayed still
0: yeah yeah you are a mover and a shaker for sure
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you're still helping you said you wanted to help kids in traumatic situations just in the hospital setting well now you're still helping kids in traumatic situations just in a different setting
1: yeah, so i've I've reflected a little bit and and realized that i, I really do like working with children and families um, who've endured some sort of trauma. that's That's for sure. Since I came back from Thailand and started this position, I still continued volunteering. So,
0: okay.
1: I currently volunteer for Bo's place.
0: Oh, tell us about Bo's place.
1: Most place is a nonprofit that offers free grief and bereavement services to families who've lost a loved one. Mm -hmm. So I uh, facilitate support groups, uh, a support group for adults. Okay. Um, They do have uh, groups with, you know, with children who've lost a sibling or a a parent or, um, but I, because I had so much experience with children, I really wanted to um, go outside my comfort zone and, and kind of engage more with the adults and how to have those like tough conversations. Tough
0: conversations with their kids?
1: No, with with adults. With adults, gotcha, gotcha. Right. But I mean, really, since I've been facilitating, I don't really have a conversation with them. I just, I have a co-facilitator and we make sure that we provide like a safe space for the adults to connect with each other because um, not everybody not everybody can relate to losing someone. So it's important to kind of talk to people who, who can relate to you.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Last year, I also volunteered with the Fort Bend Junior League. Okay. So they raise money in the community and they disperse those funds throughout uh, to different nonprofits in Fort Bend County. Um, you have to apply for, for that. Distribution. And I don't know if you'd call it a grant or not, but you know, the Nutcracker market.
0: Yeah, yes, it's a big market we have in town. It's like a big, I don't know, bazaar.
1: It's uh, like a bunch upscale of v- flea market. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of vendors are selling uh, handcrafted snacks, cheeses. Well, they do one similar in Fort Bend County, and that's like their biggest revenue. So I think they they raised like $360,000 last year and dispersed it throughout the nonprofits in Fort Bend County. I did that for a year and now I'm in a leadership class with the uh, Fort Bend, Central Fort Bend Chamber of Commerce. I'm in a leadership class for that. So networking with um, other people in Fort Bend County. Okay.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that that's great that you still like Yeah, have your hands in the community and you're still learning and growing. I mean, that's what I'm all about is like lifelong learning, lifelong development. Like you said, you want to stretch yourself. You had a lot of experience with kids, but you wanted to stretch yourself and get experience with adults. And then now you're also like in a leadership role and you've been volunteering. Um, I just think that that's great that you continue to grow and develop. To close, is there anything, uh, any advice that you would have for students or new professionals in the field?
1: I would say, um, whatever your interests are to, um, kind of dive in hands on. I, but you know, that that's helped with me. So when I found child life, I volunteered in child life. And when I, um, started in the teaching position, I, I try to get experience in the, in the teaching, like teaching in a classroom, I would also suggest Learn like taking the Myers Brig personality test. Yeah. because um, it's it's a great resource for when you when you have to work in a professional setting. you get to know who's an introvert, who's an extrovert, how to communicate, um, how to be professional, how to take things personal,
0: because it helps you interact with people more. I could definitely see that.
1: I love the Myers break.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think those are great ideas. Well, thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you, Dr. Jordan. Have a great oh, Erica. Thanks, Erica. <laughs> thank you, Erica. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying to call you Erica.
0: It's so hard once you get out of that school mode. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode of the HDFS Careers Podcast. If you have recommendations for HDFS or other family science alumni to interview, please reach out to me at my website, www.hdfscareers.com. Don't worry if they are not working in a job that would normally be considered in the field of HDFS. I'm interested in hearing a variety of stories, especially if they're working outside of academia. If you like this podcast and you want other people to be able to find it, please rate it and review it in iTunes or share it on social media. Until next time, keep exploring your future possibilities.